past two Fridays, we had a handful of people come to Grace Church. Friday before last, they prepared pastalaya dinners for our community. This past Friday, they grilled up burgers for the community, and all of the food was gone. Uh, there was nothing left over. And I want to shout out, send out a shout out of just tremendous gratitude and thanks for all the people that uh, participated in that to uh, Lisa Ledoux for heading all of that up and family and friends that came to help make all that possible. A uh, number of folks that came through the line expressed their gratitude and appreciation. And uh, I still think Grace Church is the best church on the planet. That's just my opinion. We have some wonderful people here. They not only love the Lord, they not only love the church, but they love our community. And they want to be a blessing to our community. And I appreciate them so, so very much for making that happen. As Brother Dave said, if you should have, if you're a part of Grace Church, you should have gotten an email from the church, I believe Saturday. If you did not, please let us know. We want to make sure you get that correspondence from the church. I want to call your attention today to the Word of God in Genesis 42. And then I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 2. And probably when you hear this scripture reading, you'll say, I don't understand the connection, but uh, you will in just a few moments. I realize today's Mother's Day. I promise not to keep you more than an hour and a half. And uh, we want you to be able to participate in your Mother's Day festivities. Thank the Lord. Mom is somebody that should be celebrated, that's for sure. In Genesis chapter 42, beginning with verse 6, the Bible said, And Joseph was governor over the land, that is Egypt. And he was, and he, it was that soul to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew not him. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them. And Joseph remembered the dreams. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 16, referring to Moses, Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. And when they came to Reuel, their father, he said, How is it that you are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian, an Egyptian, delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and also drew water enough for us and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, Where is he? And why is it that you have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content, and Moses was content to dwell with a man. And he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter. I want to preach to you for just a few moments this morning. I want to ask you a question. Do you still have 
a dream. Do you still have a dream? And everybody say, thank the Lord for the word. You may be seated. Thank you much for standing. I want to begin today by saying that running away solves nothing. Running away solves nothing. Winston Churchill, if you'll remember, he said, never, 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 never give up. He said, you never win a war by evacuating. So I will say to you again that running away solves nothing. There's people here today watching uh, in your home, wherever you may be. You need to hear that statement that running away solves nothing. I submit to you today that living for God for a lot of people has been made hard by preachers and pastors. But I want you to notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 verse 30. He said, my yoke is easy. My yoke is easy. I submit to you that it is not hard living for God if you live for God hard. If you want to be namby-pamby about it and look for excuses and shortcuts and loopholes, you're going to have a difficult time. You will never get the world completely out of your life and mind. You won't get the devil in a place where he needs to be in relationship to you. But if you live for God hard, then living for God is not hard. If you can understand the principle of discipleship, which is summed up in two words, it's submission and obedience. If you're willing to do that, then living for God is not hard. Let me tell you what I believe in just a short uh, few statements. What I believe living for God is, what I believe being saved is. To me, being saved is being forgiven. I get rid of that guilty conscience thing going off in my head at all random hours of the day and night. I have angels protecting me. I have God watching over me. I live under a perpetual blood covering. It is having God for me and not against me. It's having divine provision and divine sustenance. Living for God is the best. I said, living for God is the best. There are folks watching today that have given up and you're living in a place that I'm going to call life's worst place. That's the place where people have given up on God. You've forgiven up on any future with God. You've forgiven up. You've given up on being a part of the church, if you will, or being in the church, you've given up on your dreams. I know today in my heart and spirit that there's people watching that uh, used to serve God at some point in your life. You used to be on fire for God. You used to be very passionate about God. But you've ended up in a place, and uh, again, I call it life's worst place to be. And that's the place where you've given up on your dreams. And you've given up on your dreams because of delays and disappointments and failures and setbacks. You've been hurt and betrayed 
by those who should have loved you the most. Bitterness has set in and your faith in God has been shattered and you just can't seem to find it within yourself to make a comeback. There was a time when you were going to be the best prayer warrior. There was a time when you were determined to be the best soul winner, the best Bible study teacher, the best worshiper. You were going to be the most faithful. You wanted to be the biggest giver. You wanted to be the best singer. You wanted to be the best musician. But something happened. Disillusionment set in. And you gave up. We all know the story of the Old Testament Joseph. God gave him a couple of dreams. His brothers even called him the dreamer. They said, here comes the dreamer. I believe he was a little unwise in sharing his dreams with his brothers. But it is what it is. His brothers ultimately betrayed him. They lied about an animal killing him. And when that happened... I want you to notice that his dreams were never mentioned again until we read our text today. Many years forward, he's had his relationship with Potiphar. He's been thrown in jail. He's been uh, betrayed by the butler and the baker. He just cannot seem to ever find his way out. And his dreams are never mentioned During that time, I submit to you that as he remained faithful to God the best that he thought he could, I have it in my heart today that he said his dreams, those God-given dreams, those that prophetical statement that God put in his life, that put in his mind, Joseph set all of that aside. And his dreams, notice today and listen to pastor, his dreams were not brought to mind again until those who the dream applied to stepped back into his life after deep, dark, cruel betrayal when his brothers showed up again many years later and literally fulfilled uh, those dreams in front of Joseph. The Bible said, then Joseph remembered his dream. It's interesting to me that the ones that brought his dreams to remembrance were the same ones who caused them to die. I want somebody to listen to Pastor right now. Let me tell everybody something. Let me stop and say here in passing. If you're petting your dog right now and sipping coffee, just set that aside for a minute. God has a unique way of talking ministry, dealing with ministry. And I'm going to be very honest and I'm going to be very transparent. I haven't felt all that much inspiration to continue to preach cotton candy and whatnot. When this first started, we tried to preach some encouragement, which I felt like it was the will of God to do. But over the past several Sundays, even including last Sunday when Brother Dave preached, we're casting a net. We're casting a net to reel in some people. And I know today in my heart there's people that I've just described in my sermon that used to be faithful churchgoers, but something showed up in your life, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. 
but God knows what He's doing. And I want to submit to you today, whether we want to believe it or not, or even like it or not, there's things going on in our country right now, if you're paying attention to the news, that's literally setting the stage for the mark of the beast. I'm hearing more about tracing and tracking and, and all of that kind of thing than I've ever heard in my life in this country. And I believe we're now on the rapture, so I feel it incumbent upon me, and I'm sure other pastors and preachers feel it as well. We need to get as many people back in church as we possibly can. And there's no question about that. There's no doubt about that. And it doesn't really matter to me at this point that I'm staring at a camera. I know where these words are going. I know that God... God is guiding these words. God's inspiring these words. And there's somebody right now that needs to think long and hard about what you're hearing. But God is using pulpits across this country right now to reach those that once had a dream. So I want to ask you again. It might have been five years ago. It might have been for some 50 years ago or even more. There's something still inherent on the inside that God wants to fulfill in your life but you were betrayed by church brethren somewhere. But God is bringing those same church brethren back into your life to shake you up and to wake you up and to have you understand that dream is still alive. Oh, my. So, again, there's people watching today that You were going to be the best Christian you could be. You were going to be the best person Jesus ever had in his kingdom. You were going to make Jesus proud that he went to Calvary. But life showed up. Heartbreak showed up. Disappointment showed up. Your marriage hasn't gone like you planned. Your kids didn't turn out like you had hoped. The job became something less than what you expected. Maybe it's been physical problems. Maybe it's even been mental or emotional issues or even addictions. But nonetheless, your hopes have been dashed and you put your dreams on hold. Or even more, you gave up on your dreams. I'll have you understand today with everything in me. Don't blame the devil for stealing your dreams. Even circumstances didn't steal your dreams. What happened is your life showed up and you gave up. You just simply said, I'm not serving God anymore. I'm not going back to church anymore. But I'm here to serve notice on you today, my friend. God has not forgotten your dream and neither will He let you forget those dreams. They go to bed with you every night. They wake up with you every morning. God won't a relationship with you. He wants you back and he'll do whatever it takes to make that happen. There's somebody watching right now. Your heart is begging you to get right but your hurt and rejection won't allow you to do it. No matter how bad you feel, you've been mistreated or rejected. You may feel despondent No matter what's going on in your life right now, the devil didn't steal steal your dream. You just gave up and quit. Again, Joseph had a dream. But I'll have you notice, he never remembered his dreams until the very moment they came to pass and was fulfilled. The Holy Ghost can take care of sin 
the Holy Ghost could take care of hurt and you giving up on your dream is not what God wants you to do. I know a lot of people today that'd rather make excuses than make a difference. But I believe God is calling some people back right now. He's wooing you back to His side. He's wanting you back under that divine, that, that divine umbrella of blood covering and restoration and God healing you and healing your spirit and your attitude and what have you. I'm preaching to someone today that it's time to remember your dream, to think about you, you and your desire that you once had for living for God. And oh no, 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 Joseph, it's not too late. It don't matter what happened in Potter's, Potiphar's house when you was falsely accused by his wife. And it don't matter what happened with a butler and baker who promised you they wouldn't forget about you. And as soon as they were restored to Pharaoh, they're going to tell Pharaoh about you. And some two years passed and, and they forgot about you and all that. None of that, none of that, none of that has anything to do with God bringing your dream to pass or not. What needs to happen is you take a step towards Jesus one more time. You take a step towards God one more time. You reach your hand heavenward and say, God, I know it's still in there. It's still buried deep in there, and I want it back. I want that relationship back. I want to feel that hope back. I want to feel that comfort again. I want to feel that promise pulsating through my life again. It's never too late. I don't care how many years has passed. Ask Joseph. It don't matter how many years passed. His dreams still came to pass exactly like God said they would. Now let's move on to the other man that I read to you about a few moments ago in Exodus. His name is Moses. Everybody knows Moses. When you read in Exodus chapter 2, Moses had a burden for God's people. It didn't matter that he was raised an Egyptian. God was calling him to deliver Israel. You know the story. He killed an Egyptian, got scared, and ran away. Remember? Running away. Doesn't solve anything. He got married, settled down, and the Bible said he became content. This is what happened in Exodus chapter 2. He was content with being a shepherd, but God didn't give up. His people still needed to be delivered from Egypt. So God got a little more serious with Moses. Yes, he did. In the Bible, it is one chapter later, but in time, it's 40 years later. When you go from Exodus chapter 2 to Exodus chapter 3, 40 years, 40 years has passed. God put a burning bush close to Moses' path. He didn't put it in his path. He put it close to his path. He put it in a place that was strategic. It didn't block Moses' path, so God wasn't making him do anything. But he put it in a place where Moses could see it. I submit to you today that the circumstance we're in right now, it may not be directly in our path, because there's so many of us that are still operating very similar to the way we were two months ago. But he's put it close enough that you can't miss it. I don't know of a single person on this planet that hadn't heard about coronavirus. 
It's everywhere and everybody's heard of it. And it may not be in your path, but it's close enough to be a distraction. God spoke to Moses when Moses saw a bush that was burning. Again, it was close to his normal daily routine and it caught Moses' eye and he said, I'm going to turn away and see this great sight. It was a bush that was on fire, but not being consumed. I know today that God is using the situation we're in right now to get your attention. God has had my attention for many, many, many years. There's other people that are watching. There's a handful of people here today. God is using this to get our attention, but He's had our attention. He's trying to get yours. The problem God's having is real similar to the problem He's having with, with Moses in Exodus 3 and 4. The Bible said that Moses has become content. He's got his wife and some kids. And he really got his wife pretty easy. All he did was watered her flocks. And Dad said, that's a good man right there. You need to marry him. Not much of a litmus test as far as I'm concerned. No background checks. No criminal record looked up or not. He just watered her flock and, hey, that's a good man right there. You need to marry him. And he did and he became content. But God wasn't through. And there's people under the sound of my voice right now that for many years you've become very, very content in your lack of spirituality. And you're not giving God the attention that He wants. He's talking to you right now. He's been talking to you for a while. You know who you are. He's been talking to you for a while. You've, you've been going through your daily routine and not really realizing that for the past number of years you've been living in life's worst place when you thought it was life's best place. It's not. It's really not. So you go on with your daily routine, but now your daily routine has been interrupted. You've been distracted by fear. And anxiety, for some of you, probably more anxiety than fear because tomorrow don't look quite as promising as it did just a couple of months ago. It's, it's, it's amazing that uh, crazy things are happening to money right now and crazy things are happening to oil right now. And, and now we're hearing about a, a food shortage and there's not going to be enough beef and we're looking potentially another depression in the eye, some, what, 15 million people are unemployed and it's growing every day. The, the food shortage and the, the oil glut is, is back in the news. What's happening, Pastor? What do you think's going on, preacher? I'm going to tell you what I think's happening. I believe God is wrapping it up. And we're facing rapture in the eye closer than we've ever been. I say that in the Holy Ghost right now. And God has sent you a massive distraction. One that you can't ignore. And once when you continue to try to function in your daily routine, you just can't get that bush out of your eyesight. It just won't go away. The bush would not be consumed. It could have sat there for another 40 years as far as God was concerned. And God is using the distraction in your life right now not to threaten you not to try to coerce you but to simply say I love you and I want want you back in a relationship with me and I want you to help deliver my people from sin 
Moses became content, and God went to the extreme to get his attention. As a matter of fact, as far as we know, that miracle never happened again. Moses was the only one that got to experience that by himself. And I believe God is doing some things in your life right now. We've settled for less. We've become content. And we've put our dreams into retirement. It's interesting to me. Retirement means a place of seclusion. Retirement means a place of privacy. A place to which one withdraws or retreats. Retirement is a place of private abode, and that's where so many of you are living right now. You've taken all of your aspirations that you once had for the kingdom, and you've taken them to a place of seclusion, to a place where you have withdrawn. You've distanced yourself from God, from His kingdom, and from His church. You've experienced a similar thing, kind of like the disciples on the Emmaus Road. When Jesus started walking beside them, they said, We thought He would redeem us. Now He's dead. And they were leaving. They were walking away. If Churchill had been there, he would have stopped them before Jesus got there. And in his little short, pudgy, rotund stature, with a cigar hanging out the side of his mouth, and his English brogue, he would have said, Never, 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 never give up. In conclusion today, I want to present to you a scenario that's as much of a God thing that I've ever have had under have had the understanding for in a long time. We all know that when Jesus died, Peter had denied him three times. Peter locked himself up with a fellow disciples. Jesus appeared to him and all of that. But Peter said, I'm going fishing. Why did he say that? I believe there's two or three reasons that he said that. The first reason is probably what you're expecting. It's probably kind of like what you've done. He said, I'm going fishing because he thought his dream ever coming to pass now was hopeless. Being a disciple of Jesus was apparently a huge waste of time. No doubt he felt some betrayal himself. He felt some deception himself. Maybe Peter even had, had felt a little misled. Beside that, no doubt he is still reeling and self-condemnation over betraying Jesus. But when he said, I'm going fishing, is it possible that Peter wasn't walking away saying, I'm going fishing because he didn't believe in Jesus anymore? Could it be that he was going back to that place where Jesus found him first? So if I can't find him where I am now, 
I'm going to go back to that place where I found him first. Think about that. What a brilliant move. Peter was cleaning his fishing nets three and a half years earlier. And this stranger, this Nazarene showed up and said, Follow me, Simon, and I'll make you fishers of men. I believe somehow Peter knew his dreams were dying. All of these feelings of doubt and condemnation were beginning to envelop him. Could it be that Peter said, I can't find him from here. So I'm going back to the place where I found him first. Maybe reason number three. I like this one too, almost even better. Could it be that Peter was going back to his boat and I'm going to row back out into the sea and just maybe he'll come walking to me again on the water. Oh, God. Jesus, if I can't find you from where I am now, and if I go back to my nets, and you're not there either, Perhaps you've created this massive, stormy, turbulent sea. And if I could somehow row back out to that spot, I'll see you coming to me again on the water. I submit to somebody today in the Holy Ghost. In this time of tumult, in this time of crises that we're in, you may not even be thinking about going back to your nets to find him. There's been times you can rehearse in your mind when you had that death in your household, when you had that time of crises, when you were on the brink of divorce, when your kids were rebelling, whatever it is that was going on in your life, and you thought you were going down for the last time. You lifted up your eyes and somewhere out there on the horizon there was a Jesus coming towards you walking on your storm, walking in your turbulence, walking in your fear, walking on your anxiety, telling you to hang on a minute. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. And he's telling somebody right now if you'll extend your hand up to him heavenward right where you are, right where you are, he's there again to bid you come. If you'll stand this morning, I'm done. In your homes, if you'll stand with me today. I want you to understand that you can come back to Jesus from wherever you are, however you are. Don't revise your dream. Don't revisit your dream. Let Jesus resurrect your dream. Martin Luther King, listen to pastor, we all know this. Martin Luther King said those infamous words, I have a dream, he said.
let me have you also understand that it was persecution and protest and conflict and resistance and even bloodshed that kept his dream alive. I don't believe he lived to see the, the total fulfillment of what he was dreaming. I'm not sure it should come to pass even yet. But he never gave up. No matter how people rioted, no matter how many rocks that were thrown at him, he was ultimately assassinated. But I'm here to tell you today, it was the conflict, the persecution that kept his dream alive. And I believe God has allowed our country to be inflicted with just horrible, horrible news and despair everywhere. But he's wanting to do it so somebody would let God resurrect your dream. Defeats and disappointments, disillusionment, personal failure, all of these things cause us to give up on our dream. Your worship, your giving, your faithfulness tells you if your dreams are alive or not. I came to pastor this church almost 27 years ago and I came with a dream. I was immediately confronted with a $100,000 lawsuit and I didn't have two nickels to rub together. The brutal murder and slaying of the previous pastor. The finances was horrible. The people's confidence was shattered. Their faith was almost about gone. But none of that killed my dream. People leaving didn't kill my dream. Betrayal by my brethren didn't do it either. The fact that the church building itself was in horrible shape did not stop my dream. Yes, there were scary times, shaky times, uncertain times. But here we are, still fighting, still growing, still dreaming. Still persevering. I refuse. I refuse for anything to take away my dreams and desire for the kingdom of God. And as far as I can tell you right now, from everybody I've heard of at Grace Church, they're still out there loving God, worshiping God, living for God. Why? Because I never have refused to give up on my dream that God gave me. So all across our city and our nation and even our world, wherever you're watching, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and do some soul searching right now. I believe God wants to restore somebody right now. I believe God wants to beckon somebody back to bring you back under that amazing umbrella of divine protection and sustenance. I believe God wants to do some amazing things right now. Everybody pray together. You good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Last Sunday, Brother Dave preached, and there was an amazing divine intervention of the Holy Ghost. Yes, there was. I'm going to ask you if you're watching today to please listen. Please listen. At the end of his sermon, he drastically switched gears. And he said, I want to tell somebody how to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
It's interesting to me, he said, I'm going to take two minutes. And as he began that presentation, the video cut off. We've heard from dozens of people, the video cut off. And then it cut right back on when he was done. It's a very frustrating moment for Brother Dave. But we're not done yet. We've planned this. We talked about it for the past couple of days. I've done my best to create an environment where the Holy Ghost can fall. I'm going to ask him to come back. We've never done this before. But I'm going to ask him to come back and make that presentation again. And I want everybody watching to open your heart right now. You open your heart right now. God is moving. God's working. God's planned this. And it ain't over with yet. If you feel the Holy Ghost rumbling all over your body right now, open your heart. Open your mind right now as Brother Dave comes.